This is the Sales Gravy Podcast. Hi, I'm Jeb Blunt, best-selling author of Fanatical Prospecting Objections, Sales EQ, and Inc., and I'm here to help you open more doors, close bigger deals, and rock your commission check. Welcome back to another episode of the Sales Gravy Podcast. With me today is the story getter himself, Ryan Tapp. You're going to love this message. It's going to help you sell more. Before we get started, go check out Sales Gravy University. Sales Gravy University is the most powerful sales training engine on earth. I guarantee it. You've never experienced anything like it. We have over a thousand hours of content from more than 40 of the world's top sales experts. We have live courses you can attend every single week that are taught by our master trainers. And we have these amazing mastermind groups where you can get into groups with your peers and you can solve your biggest sales and sales leadership problems. If you're on a team, you're going to tell your boss about it because we have a team hub for sales teams and we can integrate directly into your learning management system at your company. To go check it out, if you've never taken a course before, you can use the code learn free course. Excuse me. You can use the code free course at learn.salesgravy.com. That's learn.salesgravy.com. If you've never taken a course before, use the code free course at learn.salesgravy.com to take any course you want absolutely free. Ryan Taft, this brand new book, Story Getter, tell us a little bit about what you've written about here. First off, thanks for having me, Jeb. I, uh, I watched the podcast and very excited to be a guest. So appreciate uh, the opportunity to hang out with you for a little bit here. And uh, yeah, as far as the book goes, um, I, you know, I've been in and around sales my whole life and um, I, I've heard a consistent message and I'm sure you have too. And it's that people buy emotionally. Uh, and if anyone doubts that, ask yourself the question, why does anyone own a Louis Vuitton or a Tesla or anything like that? Not a, not a, a Hyundai, no offense to anyone that drives a Hyundai, but why wouldn't we spend the bare minimum and people buy emotionally? So, you know, in, in sales, what I have figured out is that many a time the sale, the, the emotional aspect is missed and it becomes a lot of information exchange, especially in, in the industry I work in, which is home building. It's a lot of how many bedrooms and you know, what's your time frame and just a lot of info. But that, I've never seen anybody answer a question on bedroom count by going, well, I need three bedrooms. And they, and they you know, they get all emotional. So uh, I was sitting in uh, in the airport with uh, our mutual friend, Mr. Jeff Shore, and uh, this was back in 2015. And right behind us uh, in uh, the American Airlines lounge there, there was um, in Chicago, there was a, a group of guys who were having a somewhat of a reunion. Uh, and they were clearly Desert Storm veterans. And they were laughing and joking and just having a good time cutting up. And then all of a sudden, one of them said something along the lines of, oh, I wish Brian was still with us. And obviously referring to one of their, one of their, their, their buddies who didn't make it home from Iraq. And uh, one after the other, they started to share just little memories of this guy, Brian. And that group went from this radical fun emotion to this really like almost the whole group sobbing right there in the airport. And it just struck me, Jeb, I'm like, that's it. It's in sharing stories where emotion starts to come up because most people in a sales environment, they they're playing the negotiation game, right? They're trying to hide the emotion. Don't let them know you're serious. Whoever talks first loses like all of those types of things. But if you can be interested and curious and you get them to retell their story, you'll find that the emotion lives inside of those stories. So that, that was the reason for the book. Very true. And by the way, if you doubt that people act on emotion before they act on logic, just go study Antonio Damasio, who is a professor who studied how emotions drive our decisions. And one of the one of his studies, 
He demonstrated that people who had had the emotional center to their brain destroyed were unable to make decisions. So the way that we, we work as human beings always begins with emotion first, and then it moves to logic. Now, the way that we tell ourselves we make decisions is logical. We always say, oh, we're, you know, I'm a really good decision maker, but that is absolutely not the case. We act with emotion. Without our emotions to guide us, it becomes a problem. And, and you're exactly right. The emotions live inside of our stories because that's how we communicate. I mean, if you just walk around in the world and, and watch people, the way that you communicate, I communicate, your prospects communicate is in the form of stories typically nonlinear. Very few people walk around the world dropping bullet points on you. They, 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 they tell a story about themselves. And it's not like, you know, when we think about stories in sales, like everybody's like, well, they're telling a story about this happened, this happened. It's not a once upon a time. They just talk in a nonlinear fashion to explain what it is they're saying. Now, Ryan, one of the things about stories I think is so important that salespeople miss is that there's this deep need inside of us for other people to understand us, to, for other people to get us. And yep. one of the things that is true about human relationships is the most powerful and most important and most valued relationships in your life are those that you can describe this way. This person totally gets me. Yep. And if you notice when people are working with you in a sales environment, let's just say that you're in a new, new home sales in, in situation and a, a, you know, a family walks to the door and they sit down and talk with you, they don't go, I need this many bedrooms, this many, this, this, and me, this. They go, we were looking for, or, you know, this is where we were, or this is why we're in the situation that we're in. The salesperson is usually one that it frames it in, give me the facts. But right. they, they want to explain to you why they're there, and we want to cut them off. And the reason that they're explaining that is that they want you to get them. And one That's of it. their core decision criteria is, do you understand me? So what... Why don't salespeople get this? Because this isn't a new conversation, right? This no, is no. like, I, I see it happen every single day that salespeople blow past the customer's story or try to get them to move directly in the bullet points or talk at them versus, tell me what's going on. Help me understand you. Yeah, this is, this is you, you're describing it perfectly. Part of this has to do with some of the training that has really existed over the past several years. And one of the things I credit Jeff Shore to is really changing that approach where it was all about how do I move you through my process and get you to say yes multiple times so that you'd be like, must buy a home or must buy your product. <laughs> yeah. And it really is more about a human being connection. Because let's just be honest, once the internet came out, the idea that the salesperson was in charge of exchange of information, that kind of went out the window. Oftentimes people come in and they know more about yeah. what it is we're selling than we do. <laughs> so if it's not about exchange information, it has to be about helping that person through that emotional journey of what is the problem they're trying to solve. So for me, I, I liken it to, um, to going to a doctor. I'll give you an example. So in 2009, I was actually diagnosed with cancer. And before my doctor, Dr. James Dage in Scottsdale, Arizona, before he walked in the room and said, this is what we're dealing with, I did uh, ultrasound, chest x-ray, blood work, CT scan. I did, I did multiple tests. And so when he said, here's what we're dealing with, and here's more importantly, here's how we're going to deal with it. I want you in surgery. He never even asked me if I wanted the surgery. He told me. I didn't say to him, whoa, easy there, commission breath. I said, wow, you can get me in for surgery that soon? Thank you. And so to me, if we're just going after information and we're not after the story and what 
the, the actual issue is, you said it a second ago, what is the problem they're trying to solve? Then you're just selling something. You're not solving something. Yeah. And that's, that's a problem. Well, if you think about it like this, if when we, we, you think about emotion, what we know to be true, the data tells us this, this is science, this is data, this is the truth. Even though we lie to ourselves because of confirmation bias, mm -hmm. your buyer's emotional journey as they walk through the decision process with you, in other words, their, their emotional connection to you, their emotional experience with you, as they walk through their decision journey is a more consistent predictor of outcome of any other variable. Now, a lot of people will say, well, well what if they're not qualified? Well, let's say this. Your qualified buyer's emotional experience as they walk through their decision journey with you is a more consistent predictor of outcome of any other variable. And mm -hmm. that, that journey, that decision journey is 100% emotion. Let me walk you through it. Do I like you? Do you listen to me? Do you make me feel important? Do you understand me and my problems? Do you get me? And do I trust and believe you? That's what they're walking through. And the, yeah. the get part for me is that I've taken time to listen to you. You've told me your story and I'm telling your story back to you with recommendations that connect to the things that are important to you. It's no different than your doctors telling your story back to you. You said, Ryan, we got a problem right. and we both want to fix this problem. I'm sure you were motivated to fix the problem. Here's what's going to happen next. And you were like, yeah, yeah. you get me. Like you understand that totally. I'm like, I just want somebody who's got my back. So it's, you know, th this, it's just, it's really simple. I mean, it's a simple process. We had um, Carol Mahoney on, um, on an earlier podcast and she was talking about the concept of discovery and, and how that connects emotionally, emotionally to people and listening to them. But it doesn't, I mean, doesn't it begin like with, with salespeople turning on their inner three-year-old, like, you know, being curious mm -hmm. and asking why, like, I mean, I, I feel like sometimes yeah. we miss the customer telling us their story because we're not even curious about their story. This was a big part of the research in the book, Jeb. I, I, I was originally thinking, okay, I wanted to be about curiosity because for years I've said curiosity is the number one skill that you could develop, not just in sales and life in general, right? Go, go read how to win friends and influence people. Right. He says, in order to be interesting, you first have to be interested. And so I started researching this. I came across a research paper by um, a guy named Dr. Sam Wass out of the UK. He's a, a child psychologist and a neuroscientist, obviously lacks ambition, this guy. But anyway, uh, so he did a study on exactly what you're talking about to see what exactly is the curiosity level of children. And does that dissipate or stop at a certain point? And his theory was everyone's born with this. Every creature has to be born with this. It's how we survive. Yeah. It's how we find food. It's how we find shelter. <clears throat> so you're born with it. And in her book, um, Cracking the Curiosity Code, Diane Hamilton calls this, uh, she's quoting somebody else, but, uh, but I got it from her, uh, trait curiosity. Yes. Trait curiosity. Yes. You're, you're born with it. Yep. And the study that Dr. Wass did showed that the average child uh, asked and if anyone's listening has kids, you'll be like, oh, yep, yep. I can validate that. <laughs> Asks about 73 questions a day. Yeah. Most of it's like, how, why? How come the sky's blue? Right. Why is that man <laughs> doing it that way? Well, when I was a kid, I remember asking my brother, who's about four and a half, five years older than me. And I remember asking him, why, why, why? And I remember him saying, if you ask me why one more time, I'm going to beat the crap out of you. And I said, 
how come? (laughs) So we're very, very curious. And um, then Dr. Wass says something very interesting happens, which uh, we'll call uh, becoming a teenager. (laughs) And those, those questions diminish. And I, when I'm in front of teams of people and I'm telling this, I ask how many questions do you think the average teenager asks? And most people get it right. And it's two, two questions. So we go from 73 to two. And what are the two questions? What's for dinner? And can I have money? <laughs> That's it. That's true. So, oh, so yes, the you're, third you're, question, car keys, car keys, please. Yeah. Yes. It, but, but to, to the point of, of Dr. Hamilton's book, she said there is a second type of curiosity and it's called state curiosity. And it's where you choose, you have to choose it to be in the state of being curious. So if you've ever met anyone who's into like civil war history or, you know, crocheting or whatever it might be. Well, Jeff Shore is a really good example. He he plays hockey. He's like a hockey fanatic. You know that. Um, And so you have to choose to be curious. So to your point, when people ask the question, like, well, like, is curiosity, is this something you're born with? Yes. But then you have to develop it further. And my contention is if you're going to choose to be curious about anything, there's two things on the planet you should be curious about because you're going to deal with them your whole life. One is people and the other is money. You should be curious about those two things. It, I, I love what you said about choosing. It is intentional. And mm-hmm. the, the, a way that I describe it is, um, is most people fall on an empathy scale. Most salespeople, most salespeople are lower on the empathy scale. So they're more like me. I'm, I'm an outcome driven person. So mm-hmm. that means I'm much more self-centric and I'm much more focused on getting to an end. And the statistics prove out that salespeople who are more outcome-driven typically sell more than people who are not. Now, that, that begins to deteriorate as, as the size of the, of the purchase goes up or the length of the sales cycle goes up. So the complexity will shift that more into the empathetic realm. Mm-hmm. People who are more empathetic are typically better listeners. Like my wife is highly empathetic. And she's a much better listener than I am because I, I typically you're talking and my brain's thinking about whatever else, the you know, coffee, I don't know, cats, whatever. So what, I'm what, thinking about something next? else. And that's a that's that's who I am. Like, I know that I'm that way. So yeah. it's I have to be intentional about being curious. I have to be intentional about asking how come I have to be intentional about being sincerely interested in other people. So I have to teach myself to do that. One way that I do that is when I'm out on the street, out traveling, and I do this because I meet all kinds of people when I'm traveling, is being intentional about asking questions about themselves. Now, sometimes their answer makes my brain burn, but I learn some really cool things and make some amazing friends. Like It's incredible the emotional connections you build with people by just asking them questions and and listening to them. But you you have to choose to be interested. And by the way, if you're a sales leader, the same thing is true about your people. Like you have to be choose to you choose totally. to be interested in your people. Yes. But it's that it's that intentional curiosity that 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 matters like so much in getting people and compelling people to tell their story. Because like what do we get told? Like we I mean we we're, we're basically you think about the buyer walks in and salespeople run into this wall. Like they go, "Well, what are you looking for?" I don't know. I mean, what, what do you want? Well, you know, this, this, and this, and the salesperson's not getting validated with long answers. Right. But to your point, the reason that we're down to two answers as a teenager is because during our adolescence, asking a bunch of questions got beaten out of us. Like we got told, don't go, don't be walking around telling your story to other yeah. people. Right. And nobody, like, nobody cares. Don't, don't talk yeah. to strangers, all that. So mm-hmm. the salesperson, right. If you can get intentional about being cur- curious and be patient about it, 
you can pull that out of people and they are so happy to oh talk gosh. about themselves. Well, if you look at like the hierarchy of needs and Maslow, or you study any of Tony Robbins stuff, all of them will tell you that the need for attention and connection and love from other people is one of the highest needs in the human experience. And what's interesting is in absence of that need, someone will literally go insane, create an alternate personality to give themselves the attention they're not getting. And you think of examples of people who are in solitary confinement, they end up talking to themselves. Not that I have personal experience with that, just for the record. Um, you homeless people, I know there's usually some biochemistry stuff, maybe whatever, but, but they'll often talk to themselves. And if you are listening to this, if you've ever been home for several hours and you are, I, I do this, I walk around this, what do I need to do now? I'm like talking to myself, you know, but it, it is interesting. And there's an interesting framework that I've been working on with salespeople in order to do this, because to your point, that curiosity is at risk, the more experience you have. And the reason is to what you said, one is if you're that outcome driven person, which I am as well, where I'm like, all right, let's just go, let's get to it. And this gets me into trouble in, in my marriage too, by the way. Um, I'm like, land the plane. Don't say that to your wife, by the way. Um, but it, it, if you if you are curious and interested, but you have a ton of experience, you might know where the prospect is going with the story. Yes. And we have this tendency to steal the story. Yes. Oh, you guys are probably looking to da 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 da, and you just killed what I would call the three R's. And the three R's are retell. So you get curious, get curious, you get them to retell their story. And what happens, and you'll see this in their eyes, there's no sort of you know, scientific evidence behind this, but you'll see them kind of go like this. Well, and then what happened was, and they'll kind of shift off. And in the world of science, uh, they call this chronesthesia, which is mental time travel. Yep. They literally will leave this moment, go back in time or go into the future, right? Yep. Prospecting yep. one way or the other. And they will relive that moment. And as they tell more of it, then that's when they hit the emotion and they refeel it. So I could have somebody who it's 20 years, you know, 20 years ago that this, this moment happened. And I, I, you, you saw me do this on stage uh, at our summit where I was talking about a happy memory and people usually say the birth of my child. Right. And if I get someone talking about what that was like, it would almost be like they could hear it. It's like, <laughs> right. Which is yep. a off awful trick that I can do, but oh, that's pretty uh, good. It is pretty good, right? It's, my face looks weird when I do it. Um, half the people will rewind this and listen to that again. The other half will never want to listen to that again. But this, this framework of retell, relivery, feel is what I found on how to get there, but you can't steal that story. And to your point on curiosity and empathy, I wanted to actually show this to you. Uh, I was looking on the side here. Let me, let me show you how important I think those two concepts are that you just said. So this is great. So I'm a, I'm a skater kid from the 70s. And so um, I often wear Vans tennis shoes. So here's my Vans custom tennis shoes. I right? love them. Those right. definitely look like a California skater kid. So you get them embroidered. Look what I got put on the back I of like them. I like it. Very good. Curiosity <laughs> and empathy. Yes. So I, I am so on that train. But what's interesting to your point is with my personality and my, I'm not naturally curious. I have to, to your point, I have to practice it because I am like, let's go, let's get it done. And I'm not naturally empathetic. I'm like, we'll just make it happen. So can these skills be learned? Absolutely. And that's why I wrote the book is because I think they can. In fact, there's a chapter on empathy in there. So yeah, there's a, there's some, a great course on Salesgrave University with uh, Andrea Walls and Richard Fenton. Uh, and Richard Fenton does this microbite and it's, uh, they wrote the book, Go for No. And Richard talks about back in his days when he was working as a trainer with uh, lens crafters, mm -hmm. the difference between the salespeople 
who would basically just tell the story. They would go, you need this, 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 and this. And the salespeople that would engage the customer and have the customer walk through the entire process with them, that the salespeople, he said, basically, you got really good at being able to size up. Here's what I recommend very quickly. Like it was, you know, and I, and I think every salesperson does that. If you, if you go on oh. enough sales calls, you meet with enough customers mm -hmm. as a consultant, like you can walk in and go, if you do that, 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 and that, it'll solve the problem. Right. But what the point that he makes is that when you are, when you are having the customer walk you through, tell their story, engage with you, they're investing in the process. It means more to them. They're they're essentially talking themselves into that. And because they're going through that process, they feel more invested in it. And they're more likely to buy from you because you took them through that entire process of, of walking through their story. That, yes. and I, I love like taking them back, you know, from, you know, from in the past where they were before. What, what I, what I think about when I think about these stories is what, one of my favorite questions to ask people who come to me, now this is like this is different than if I go to them, but if they come to me, like they come in mm -hmm. through a lead gen form, or they um, say I want to talk to you about my sales team, can I get some help? It'd be in your world and new home sales where someone walks into the model home and says, "Hey, like they they've come to you." Right. Is the question that I ask them is, "What's going on? What you got going on?" I go, "What you got going on? What's tell me what's yeah. happening?" Those those type of questions. Tell me what's happened. Tell me what you got going on. Mm -hmm. And. And I'll have salespeople go, well, that's, I mean, that's not a really like brilliant question. And I go, well, that's a, that's a great question, I'm, but to think about it, <laughs> like they came to me, something's right. going on. Like you weren't, you didn't, you didn't walk into the model home if you didn't have something happening, but by asking that one question and staying out of the way, they, they begin to walk through their story. They tell you what's going on. What I found right. is that the first few minutes of that conversation are nonlinear it's confusing. Mm -hmm. They're mm -hmm. having a hard time organizing themselves. But the longer I stay out of the way, the more they retell the story. Like they, they begin right. to loop the story until they start, it starts making sense to them. And 100%. then they, and then they lay it all out in a way that goes, Oh, that's what, you know, that's what you're trying to accomplish. That's why you're here. That's what's happening in your life. Yep. And if you're paying attention to that, then you can start asking questions, follow-up questions, probing questions, open-ended questions, around the emotional cues. Cause that's the thing. Like you started off by saying the emotions are in the story. So right. if someone's telling the story, if you are paying attention, that means by the way, and this is so important, you have to be in the conversation with them. Like you have to be, you can't there. just be asking questions yeah. as a checklist, but if you you're paying attention and you ask questions around those emotional cues, they'll go back and think, like you said, they'll, they'll look up, they'll go, Oh, that was a pretty good question. Yeah. You know, this is where I'm feeling. This is where I am. Then you can begin funneling him into, right, like, especially in your world and new home sales, like buying a home is the most emotional freaking thing that you do in your life. Right. But, you know, I, like, like, how are you going to feel when you're there? Like, what are the, what, what's the emotion that you see? Tell me what you see. Like, I'm getting them to think about the future. Put me mm -hmm. into a place where you're going to be. Along the way, with their story, you can help unpack their fears. Like, what are the things that you're afraid of? Like, tell me about why this didn't work for you in the past. It's like, it's just so brilliant. And I just always start with, tell me what's going on or what, what you got going on or, you know, what, yeah. you know, what's, what's happening. I don't even, I don't even go, why did you come to me? Why did you call me? I just go, what's going on? This is, this is the, the, the whole thing is, you know, it's the difference between having a human being conversation and having a sales conversation. Right. So, you know, if, if, if you and I are at a coffee shop and 
um, and I walk in and I sit down and I go, hey, Jeb, what's up? You're immediately going to say, what's going on? What's wrong? Because you can read that there's a problem right there, right? And and to your yep. point where you have, uh, if your sales environment is where some people are coming to you, no one's waking up on their day off and going, you know what we should do? Let's go have an awkward conversation with a salesperson. Yes, I've always wanted to do that. That's not <laughs> how that's going, right? So they walk in and there is a reason that they're there. But the funny thing about that environment, and this isn't all sales environments, but it is particular in this one where people are so used to sort of either a completely hands off, you go look and let me know what you think approach, which is like more of a, like a, almost like an information guide. Like if you go to the airport, there's someone in a purple jacket telling you, well, there's gate C that's, that's one approach or it's the dog on the bone. And I'm just going to manipulate and and try and get you. And so what happens is people game plan before they go into those environments. And, you know, I look at, I look at my wife and I go, okay, you pretend not to speak English. All have a lazy eye. Let's go. Like, and if they say if, if it gets really crazy, we got a safe word on how to get away. Um, and so, what if I'm in a coffee shop with you, and I say, and you, and I walk and I say, oh, "How's it going?" You go, "What's up with you? What's going on?" If I said to you, "Well, we might have to move," you know what you wouldn't say to me? Well, how many bedrooms are you looking for, yeah. and what's your time frame? And you're working with a realtor. You wouldn't say any of this. You would go after the story, yeah. and you'd say, "Why? What happened?" That's a story getting question. And then you go into the details of, well, who are the characters of this story and what's the dramatic part of it? Yeah. And, 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 and give me some description because your curiosity is in the lead, not your desire to make a commission. Yes, that's exactly right. I love the way you said that. It's the, you say, um, uh, under con- uncovering the, I think I got this right. The why behind the what? The why behind the what? Yeah. Yeah. The, the often, answer to most questions and whether it's why are you buying why are you thinking of buying this product this system this home whatever it is is usually a what answer and that's not where the emotions live the emotions live in the why and so your curiosity has to get there because people are trained to give transactional information i mean that's just you know that especially with salespeople. so we have to that curiosity gets us beyond that so give you an example um i was off in your neck of the woods i was actually in in um, alpharetta and uh, my phone lit up and it was my wife and she's just pinging me with 911 SOS, call me. I'm, I'm like, what's going on? And she was walking around our neighborhood as she always does. She's very athletic and outdoorsy. And there was a basketball court on the back end. Two guys were shooting hoops. They start catcalling her, which is, how does anyone think that works? But anyway, <laughs> um, she ignores them. They get a little more aggressive and then they come off the court and they start coming at her and she ends up having to, uh, call the cops and run away. We walk into a sales office and the only questions we get asked are, well, what size home are you looking for? What's your time frame? It, no, no emotional questions whatsoever. But to your point, well, why? If if I would have said, if they would have said, why are you moving? We would have said, we wouldn't have told that story. What we would have said is, well, we're just ready for a change or we're just looking for a nice new neighborhood, something that's very what based. Yes. But if you say, well, did something happen recently? I would have said, well, our neighborhood's going downhill. But again, if you were going to hire a film crew to, to film this scene of what happened to us, and all you had was our neighborhood's going downhill, you don't have nothing. You don't have any characters. You don't have any story. You couldn't film that. It'd be it'd be a sucky movie, frankly. But if you said, well, what happened? Well, uh, there's just some challenges in our neighborhood. Again, the cues, as you said, I call them customer communication clues, are words you don't know, facial expressions that, you know, where there's motion, it's usually an indication of emotion, 
I can then dive into that story and, and ask that ask that customer. It's like, well, when you say downhill, did something happen? Well, just an unfortunate incident happened while my wife was out walking. Yeah. Well, we don't unfortunate. We, you know, like I, I, you know, how I train people how to do this. Watch Jimmy Fallon. Watch Jimmy Fallon interview somebody. He's like, no way. What happened? And he gets into it. And that is the level of curiosity that you then can get characters and you can get standout moments. You know, Kendra Hall wrote a great book, um, Stories That Stick. And in there, she goes through what are the components of a story. Uh, and and that is a fantastic checklist, not just for storytelling, but for story getting. So and one yeah. of the questions I love to ask in this situation is because of like, I, like in a situation, like, tell me, tell me, tell me everything you love about your current neighborhood. Mm -hmm. And the reason I asked that question is because of something called the human negativity bias. If you ask any human being what they love about anything, they'll tell you. Mm -hmm. And then they're going to shift and tell you all the things they don't like. They don't like it. Yeah. Because, because human beings are more attuned to what is negative than what is positive. And right. if you're watching someone, and this is what you said, like you've got to watch them. Like you have to be there. And you got to listen with your eyes, your ears, and your heart, your intuition. 100%. And when you see it, you go, oh, that sounds like something's worrying you about this. Mm -hmm. And then they'll talk yeah. a little bit more, right? To your, to your point, if, 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 if you say, well, what do you love about your neighborhood? They say, well, you know, it's a great neighborhood. We've lived there for 15 years. We, you know, it's really fantastic. And, and, and you know, the, the, the neighbors are okay. That little crunch right yeah. there, that, that's the face of disgust. Yeah, like when you say, okay, like, what do you mean? What, what's, what's not right. When I asked my wife to marry me, I didn't say this. Will you marry me? I didn't make that face. That's a, that's not a positive face. Yeah. Like, what do you love about it? And you're making that face. That's your clue. What's not yeah. working right there. Something's going off. So you yeah. do, you're right. And here's the challenge that I have is so many people are in their head about where am I going? What am I going to yeah. do next? That they're, they're focused on the wrong person yes, themselves. Exactly. And that's like for somebody, somebody crunches their thing and says, okay, like one of my favorite questions is how so, how do you yeah. mean? Like yeah. everything's okay. Well, how, do, how do you mean? And then they'll, yeah. and then they'll keep talking. Like the thing is, is they will keep talking. If you shut up and you just let people go, they will go. Yeah. My experience though, is that, you know, coming from the world of feature and benefit kind of like dumping, if you will, what happens is so many times, instead of going deep in someone's story, we hear a little clue and we say something like, Oh, I know it exactly what you mean. And you know what we can do? And they go right to a solution yeah. too quick. And so I tell people, you got to be slow to solve, be slow to solve. And that's true in your marriage too, by the way, like you probably had this happen, Jeb, you and I have similar personalities on this where my wife will say, oh, this thing happened. And I'll be like, well, why don't you just do this? Yeah, like, right. How well does that work? Yeah. It does not work. I learned, yeah. I learned in my first 10 years of marriage that, uh, that doesn't work. So I have this, I have this, uh, this basic philosophy about being married and it's really simple. Do you want to be right? Or do you want to be happy? Right. And so I, it took me about 10 years to pick happy. And the way yeah. I'm happy is I just listen to the story because that's all she wants is to tell the damn story. Yeah. You stay out of the way. If you want my help, she'll ask me. But other than yeah. that, it's not my problem to solve. No. And this is just good, good advice and communication in general is, you know, Stephen Covey talked about this in, in seven habits, right? We, we, we have to be quick to understand and slow to solve. And if you yep. follow that in the sales process, you're going to learn so much more about what is going on on an emotional level. And if we all agree people buy emotionally, then don't go after the, just the tactical informational, you know, here's the features that we're offering and here's what it does. I always say, how are you prescribing anything without a proper diagnosis? That's called malpractice in the medical yep. world, by the way. 
That's why 80% of the sales process should be spent in discovery. Getting Amen, the stories. demons be gone. Yes, yes. So, well, that's that's it. You're right. So the name of your book is called Story Getter. So yes. the, the whole point of this book is doing good discovery. It is getting people to tell their story. It's getting them yep. to open up. It's yep. connecting with them that level. Most, if you think about most salespeople, most books, most conversations around this are teaching salespeople what stories to tell. Like yes. if you think about the average salesperson, I know this has happened to you because you're a sales trainer. I'm a sales trainer. Yep. I get, I, I don't really get very many questions about Jeb, what should I ask? I get Jeb, what should I say? Yeah. One of the, my pieces of advice for salespeople, these are the exact words I use when they say, what should I say? Especially when it comes to storytelling, how do I tell the right story? I say the most powerful and impactful story that you can tell to your customer, your buyer, your prospect is the story that they just told you about themselves. And how do you know that story? You have to get it in order to tell it. Yeah. yeah. It, what's so powerful is, and this is what I think is so cool. People are so self-contained, right? So when they're telling their story to you and you're listening, they're, you're building a deep emotional connection because you're making them feel significant. In other words, you're giving them the greatest gift you can give another human being, giving them your attention, paying attention right. to them. What's crazy about it is people would say, well, you tell the story back to them. Isn't that going to bore them? No. I mean, you, you're telling them about themselves. You're saying to them, you told me this story. I cared enough about you to ingest the story mm -hmm. and say to you, Ryan, one of the things that really struck me about what you just told me is how you must have felt when you were in Alpharetta and you were trying to do your job and you're on the phone with your wife and you've got to be thinking, what are all of the bad possibilities that could be happening with a couple of people catcalling my wife in my neighborhood? You were probably pissed off. You wanted to get back home. You were having a hard time focusing on your job and you didn't feel safe in your own community, a community that you have loved for 15 years. That's exactly why I think you're going to love being here. Because it's a gated community, you're not going to have those things happening. Because it's a new community with um, upwardly mobile people just like you, you're right. going to be around people that are going to have the same values and the same and, and honor the same type of uh, way that we deal with each other like you. I mean, isn't that what you're looking for? So this is perfect. What you're What's going on right now? And 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 I'm you know in our process with uh, with the, the shore consulting team, the, the four two formula that two is exactly what you're talking about right now. It's and if you've ever you know taken a college course called communication one hundred and one, it's called the two C's: clarify and confirm. And when you look at uh, the phrase that says relationships are built on agreements, the biggest mistake salespeople make, in my opinion, is they are they show a product that doesn't fully match yes. the problem. And so what you will find in that moment, Jeb, when you repeat that back to me is if you miss something, I'll interrupt you and make sure you got it. And you exactly. know why? I have a, I have a belief and I've seen this play out that sit, that customers absolutely hate it when salespeople prescribe something without knowing the actual problem. And so all this is, is a confirmation that I understand not just what the problem is, but I understand it on an emotional level. Cause you didn't just say, so, uh, Right now, neighborhood bad, need good neighborhood. That's not what you did. No, I you spoke said, your language. That's right. And you you just, because here's the thing. You got all the visuals 
of what was going on. You saw it as though it was playing out in a movie and we think in pictures. And when you can, it's like that old matching game, right? If you've ever played the game where you have two decks of cards, you mix them all up and you see if you can flip them over and where, oh, where's the king of hearts? Let me see if I can find it. it that's what you're doing. So now I know that you have the same picture I have about what problem I'm trying to solve. You know what that does for me as your customer? It makes me trust you because now yes. the solution you gives, give me is in context of the real problem. And you're not just some sales yep. guy with commission breath trying to sell me something. Yep. Oh, it's, it's uh, yesterday I was on a sales call last night late with uh, a group in Australia. And I did the, I did my typical, let, just walk me through what's going on. Help me understand. I just want to make sure I can get this from your point of view. And the, the, the key stakeholder talks, talks and talks and talks. We're, we've got 25 minutes of telling the story. I don't say anything, just talks. Love it. Yeah. And then when he got done, I said, let me, let me feed this back to you to make sure that I captured everything you said. And I did it in, in, I did it in, in three sentences. I said, it sounds to me like the biggest issue that you're facing is that you have not as many leads as you had before. Therefore, when those leads come in, Every conversation has to count because you've got to convert at the same level. And your anxiety is whether or not the salespeople who are getting those leads are conducting the right type of conversations so that your prospects feel so compelled to those conversations that they want to move to the next step. And you're just worried that your team needs the skills to do that. Did I get that right? This is so good. And he That's said, he, he, he leaned forward and he smiled and he goes, I'm stealing that. He said that you said that way better than I said it. And then I had him like the rest of the conversation was oh. just like, everything was easy. Like at that point, that was the deal was closed at that moment. Like we closed. Absolutely. That is the first part of, of the close right yep. there is confirmation of understanding. Yep. Do you understand that's, me? Do you get me? And am I speaking yeah. your language? Right? So that's the most important thing is, am I speaking your language? And the thing about language is so important because language connects us, right? Every family right. has a language. Every church has a language. Every business has a language. Like Shore Consulting has a language. Salesgrave has a language. Uh, mm -hmm. Everybody has a language. Every company has a language. When you speak the language of your prospect and their language is in their experiences, in their emotions, and their problems, the words they use. When yeah. I say back to you, when you were in Alpharetta, trying mm -hmm. to do your job and you were worrying about the safety of your wife, that had to be horrible for you. Now I'm watching you. If you do yeah. this, yeah, I know I got it. And then I'll say something like, if I were in your shoes at that moment, I would have been pissed off. And if yeah. you do like this, we're done. Like I've, we've, I've won the deal. Like you are in with me because you're saying this person totally gets me. And that's essentially is, the decision journey, right? Do I like you? Do you listen to me? Right. Do you make me feel important? Do you get me in my problems? And once once the get is established, that's when trust happens. Bingo. Yeah, I'm 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 so on point with that idea that when again, I I always say this: you got sometimes you got to slow down in order to go fast. Yes. You know, I, we're, we're so quick to want to get the sale. And, and by the way, this is really easy when you, as a salesperson, you're, you're exceeding your monthly goal, right? You're like, if your goal is, you know, 10 and you, and for the month and you're sitting at nine in the first three days, yep. whatever it is, whatever you're, you're, you're kind of like, okay, no big deal. Well, why are you guys thinking of this? And all of a sudden it's all casual because there's no pressure. You know, the problem with, with, with the flip side of that is when things are tough and you're not performing and the, you're getting the phone call from your manager or, or, or you're even giving your own internal pressure, which I think is actually even yes. more powerful. 
then we start to to switch out of getting stories and that casual confidence. And we start, well, okay, well, what are you guys looking for? What can I get you? And we start trying to get to the sale too quickly. And I just think you slow down in order to go fast. That's when you get bitten by something called the universal law of need. The more (laughs) you need to sell the home, the less likely you are to sell the home. The more you need to win the deal, the less likely you are to win the deal because when you get desperate, you stray away from these core fundamentals that you and I are talking about. You move away from story getting, right, to pitchy, pushy, insecure, desperate communication. And because emotions are contagious, they are invisible vibrations that we as human beings are very good at feeling. Again, back to science. Like we we operate in that world. Like when you're working with other people, you don't have to stop every 10 seconds and say, Brian, how are you feeling right now? Like, I know how you're feeling. I can tell how you're feeling, right? (laughs) So when you transfer that emotion of being pitchy, pushy, insecure to your buyer, they're not going to do business with you. And if you think about new home sales, the most emotional thing that you will ever do in your life is buy and build a new home. I've been there and been married through it. Not fun, right? So the most emotional thing you'll ever do, and it's also the biggest purchase you're going to make is where almost all your net worth is going to be. You're not going to do that with an insecure, pitchy, pushy, desperate salesperson. You're never going to do that. What you're going to do business with is a person who is relaxed and confident enough to sit and listen and let their buyer work through the process. As you said, you're going to be a story getter. You're going to bring that in. You're going to let them express it. And you're going to have the confidence in the process that once they get it all on the table, it's going to be really easy for you. Because if you really think about it, like in your situation, the way that you were explaining it with your wife, like that is a neighborhood. That is, I want to be in a particular neighborhood. It's not the home. I was. It had nothing to do with the house. Yeah, it has nothing to do with the house. It's, it's, it's where I live. It's, right. it's, you know, and, and you and the problem is, is that we get caught up in, how many bedrooms or we get oh. caught up in the great room or we got caught up in the appliances or all these things. It is, I want to be in a neighborhood that makes me feel this way. Or yeah. in some cases, I want to be in a home that makes me feel this way, or I want to be in a place that makes me feel this way. Or it even could be commute. Like, you know, it's, it's like if I've taught you, walked back to you and said, you know, all those days when you're sitting on the interstate or sitting on the freeway and you could be with your kids and you're thinking about all the time that you're missing. Like, I want for you that you have that, that, that peace of mind that you're getting all of that quality time rather than spending it sitting in your car. Isn't that what mm. you want? Like, I, that's how I want to tell the story back to you. It doesn't right. matter about the house. And that's where salespeople, I think, get this wrong, Ryan, is that they, they are so focused on what they want to sell. And they don't understand that the only thing that matters is connecting the dots from what you have Mm -hmm. to what is important and unique and special for your buyer. That's what your buyer buys. They buy on emotion. You're trying to sell logic. They're buying on emotion. I think we just did a full loop back to how you started. We did. We (laughs) did. No, and that was actually really great. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm of the opinion that if, if when people ask me, like I do this on airplanes, like you do, where I'll get curious about somebody and it never fails to ask, what do you do for a living? And my standard response is I help salespeople get back to being human beings in the sales process, because I, I think people's sort of their BS antennas are so attuned right now to fakey yeah. sort of like, I was thinking like, 
you know, you, you, you'll hear, oh, great weather we're having today. I'm like, well, if you're not really interested in weather, why are you, if you're not going to talk about it with a friend, why are you talking about it with a prospect, right? This just sounds weird. Um, and so chapter six of my book is called Don't Be a Weirdo, uh, <laughs> which is great because you hear so many things. I mean, recently we walked into a sales office here in the, in the Phoenix metro area and the guy gets up and he says, so are you here to look at some homes today? And I'm like, yeah. There's no other reason I'd be here. Yep. Right. And then he you, goes, you great. Should, like, so somebody said that I'd be like, I'd be like, nope, I was looking for some cows. Here's that, your sign. Exactly, Remember that? Here's I, your sign. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Here's your sign, buddy. And he says, well, we got two models right out there. Why don't you go take a look? And he just, you know, like goes out there or sends us out to go look at it. And I'm sitting here thinking the house isn't where the sale happens. It's through this conversation, yeah. not me. Like if your strategy is, I hope you like my product enough to come ask me well, to buy it. The question would be, why do I need you to do that? You don't. I, I don't. can put an iPad yeah. there that says, what's your time frame? What And I could literally get rid of all salespeople. So people ask me, do you think salespeople will be necessary in the future with all this AI? And my question is, it depends. It depends on if you are someone who's just delving out information, hoping the product does the selling, or are you someone who's connecting to that buyer's mission rather than focusing on your commission and actually solving real problems on an emotional level? And those are two different skill sets that, you know, coming out of the pandemic, um, uh, you know, especially in the home building industry, you see a lot of people who are on wait lists and people would take anything. I mean, yeah. imagine someone throwing up an objection in the middle of the pandemic during the housing yeah. surge of 2020, right? Well, I think this backyard's too small. You know what a salesperson said in 2020 to that? Okay. Oh, that's cute. Hey, yeah. everybody look, an objection. This is so cute. Get out. Next. Like that's yeah. what they would do. So the skill set of actually being able to not worry about an objection, but now you know what an objection is? An objection is someone talking through an imagination block. I call it an imagined dissatisfaction. And by the way, there is an imagined story behind why they think that won't work. And that's a story getting opportunity in my opinion as well. well so it all ties back to that. Yeah. And, and I love what you said about AI. I'm writing a book right now called The AI Edge. And it is the, the core point of this book is that AI has a service to, to deliver for us and it could do a lot of things, but it's number one thing is to get you more time in front of people so you can sell more. And the, the truth is, is that in the age of AI, what we're talking about human to human is going to be more valued, more important, and it's going to be a key differentiator. AI can do transactional very, very well. So if, it, yep. if it's just a transaction, and by the way, Amazon does tra transactional very, very well. But when people ha don't trust themselves to make the decision on their own, and that's why people come to see the house, right? If they trusted to make the decision on their own, they would look at the website, go, I really like that. How many bedrooms? Boom. I just picked, I, they would just buy houses online. Easy. They don't yeah. buy houses online like that way because they want to go see it, feel it. They want the experience from the very beginning. Their experience begins the moment that they pull up in their car in front of your model home, period, end of story. Yeah. AI doesn't solve that problem. Yeah. And what AI is going to do is make the salesperson's role more important and more valuable than ever. But we have to lean into the things that make us more human. We have to we have to lean into our human advantage. AI can't do what we just talked about. AI is not going to pull a story out of anybody. AI isn't going to listen. AI isn't going to do any of those things. It's not going to do that. No. And we have to wake up. And I, I love what you said. We this is this is sales teams everywhere. Was with a sales team earlier this week. Everywhere. Everywhere. Military recruiters, same problem. Yep. We got taught 
and we learn the bad habit of just transacting. You don't like it? Fine. I got four more people waiting. It's time to get back to being human. But is that even really sales? Like, I mean, you know, at the end of the no. day, if you get resistance and you just go, okay, well, let me know. Yeah. That's not, that's your customer service rep at that point, right? Yeah. Like dealing with resistance and being able to play that resistance and through a conversation, you know, buying and dealing with compromises, right? The, the, the car you bought, the house you bought, whatever it is, yeah. there's compromises all around. The question is, as a sales professional, do you know how to walk through what those compromises are? And if you don't have the core story of why they want to buy, and I don't care if this is a B2B solution or a B2C solution, if you don't know that core story behind what they're trying to solve and what why they're looking uh, the problem is, is you, you don't know the the power of that objection, and therefore you might think it's bigger than it actually is. Like yes. if if you heard my story on why we were looking to move, and then I said, oh, I think this backyard's too small. Wouldn't right now you'd be like, that's not that's not a big big objection because that's not why you're moving. No. But I'm, if you don't know that story, you might think, oh gosh, I got to switch them over to another home site, and it's going to have a fifty thousand dollar premium, and now I've got a price objection, and you know you don't you're not you're not you're not really selling. You're, you're just trying to find the right product that makes everybody happy. And yeah. that's part of it, but that's not all of it. That's exactly right. Ryan, tell people where they can get your book story getter. I know it's just out. So how do you get this book? Yes. Yeah, so uh, if you go to shop.jeffshore.com, um, you'll see it right on there. Um, it will be available on Amazon at one point. This is what it looks like for those that were wondering. Okay. This is it. Um, which, by the way, I got to tell you, I, I feel like you're stalking me in the airports because everywhere I go, man, it's <laughs> like you're I walked into an airport the other day and I got hit in the face with like the whole section was just on like <laughs> it was pretty impressive, man. Um, but, uh, yeah, so they can go to shop.jeffshore.com to get a copy of story getter, even though it's framed in, in home building sort of examples and stories at the end of the day, the subtitle is how to make more sales and build deeper relationships. And that applies in every arena. Good. And if someone wants to connect with you, send you an email or, or find yeah. you on social media, where do they find you? Yeah. So Ryan at jeffshore.com is my email and my Instagram is at Ryan Taft. That's, those are probably two of the best ones. I think my LinkedIn is Ryan.taft1, I think is what it is. But yeah, I'm, I'm available on all those things. Perfect. <laughs> Ryan Taft, brand new book, Story Getter. Thank you so much for joining me on the Sales Gravy Podcast. And folks, what I want you to do is do yourself a favor and go to Salesgrave University. You can find Salesgrave University at learn.salesgrave.com. That's learn.salesgrave.com. If you're already there, tell your boss about it. It's a great place for individuals and teams to learn how to sell more. And if you have never taken a course on Salesgrave before, go take any course you want for free. Just use the code free course at learn.salesgravy.com, learn.salesgravy.com. And one course I might rec uh, recommend is uh, Ryan's boss, Jeff Shore, has a course on there on following up, which is a big deal. Go take that course, learn.salesgravy.com, learn.salesgravy.com. Use the code free course. We'll see you next time on the Sales Gravy Podcast. <music>